Shalom Aleichem, welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Kristen Morgenstern. Kristen is a senior at Middlebury College, studying history and theater. She studies Jewish history as it intersects with queer and feminist studies. As an aspiring Yiddishist, she has done the YIVO summer program and took part in the first Yiddish class at Middlebury College. Her recent research has included studying the Yiddish micro-neighborhood on Bainbridge Avenue and a feminist analysis of Middle Tichinus. Kristen is currently working on her thesis, The First Comparative History of Bridges, a journal for Jewish feminists and our friends. Her zine, Irina Klepfish, The Life of the Fighter, is on view as part of the Yiddish Book Center's core exhibition, Yiddish, a Global Culture. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Lovely to have you here. And honestly, hats off for your work bringing this story out as a zine. Very exciting. Thank you so much. It felt surreal to see it. I'll bet. Um, I'm sorry I, you were here the other day and we, we, there was much excitement that you were in the house, as they say, and I <laughs> wanted to say hello. So I'm delighted that you could hop on a call with me today and record this. I'm yeah. really curious to ask you, how did you come to the project and um, was this part of your studies? Yeah, thank you so much. So this project was, in fact, part of my studies. Um, it, it came about during a class called Black and Jewish Feminist Perspectives, but that was sort of down the line a little bit in my Yiddish journey. Um, I began at Middlebury College with Professor Lana Povitz as my advisor, and she teaches American Jewish history classes and feminist history classes. And I was in a course with her called Modern American Jewish History. um, And we had a guest lecture from Ilette Brin, who spoke about the Bintel brief um, and kind of did an analysis of it. And that was sort of the first time that I had heard Yiddish in a historical sense. Um, And I am a history major. And so she also gave this sort of call to action with our class. She said, you know, the Bintel brief is a really well documented sort of studied part of the Yiddish world, but there's so much of the Yiddish world particularly about women and women writers that hasn't been so as well articulated in the historical record. And that sort of call to action really spoke to me. And funnily enough, that J term at Middlebury, the first ever Yiddish course was being offered by Jay Saper, who they were a former fellow of the Yiddish Book Center and a wonderful Yiddishist. So I had the pleasure of taking that course with Jay And it really inspired me so much. And I knew that Yiddish was something I wanted to study. And feminist Jewish history was something I wanted to study. And so to me, these sort of felt like different worlds, feminist history, Jewish history. And I couldn't really make them stick together in my mind. I couldn't find a way to make these two things I was really passionate about come together. And then I found the work of Irina Kletfitch during our class. And so Irina has some bilingual poetry, which is quite famous at this point, that um, I think is a wonderful introduction for beginner Yiddish learners because it presents the Yiddish and the English words right next to each other in conversation. So it kind of, as you read her poetry, you learn a little Yiddish, which I think is so beautiful. 
And so I read her poetry and particularly the poem, A Few Words in the Mother Tongue. It sort of took these ideas of like lesbianism, feminism, Judaism, and it kind of all these worlds that I held so dearly in the historical record came together through Jewish feminist study. And it really sparked something within me. And I became really inspired by the life and work of Irina because it felt like a path that I could follow as someone that wanted to do Jewish studies, but also didn't want to lose this part of me that wanted to study feminist and lesbian histories. And so I felt like Irina was the perfect role model for me to aspire to be. And so that's sort of how this work emerged. Well, I have to say it's a really strong way to thread together all of those elements. I mean, her story is just, there's so many intersections there. Um, and it's such a strong story. Um, so when you found your way to her story, what then inspired you to think about bringing this out as a zine? And I might ask you just for those in our listening audience who might not be familiar with what a zine is, hard to imagine, but just in case, um, talk a little bit about a zine and then why you thought of that as the way to tell the story. Yeah, well... My inspiration actually also came from that Yiddish class with Jay Saper because we made a class zine together where we all did like a little translation project at the end of the class. And I translated cookbooks, Jewish cookbooks written in Yiddish um, from the 1930s in New York. So we all participated in creating a little zine together. And it's sort of like a little book that's put together normally by a person, like it's a handmade put together thing that has different pictures and words, but it's a really super accessible way because it's just in a leaflet format. Um, and Jay Saper, again, my Yiddish professor, they sort of have their own Yiddish press where they um, print different zines in Yiddish. So that was sort of my inspiration and really came from them as a mentor. But moving onwards into my own work, I exist right now very much in the realm of academia. I'm at an, a liberal arts college in Vermont, and most of who I interact with are students. And so a lot of my work is in an academic context, but I really wanted to do something different that was accessible. And if you read my zine, there's no complicated words. There's no long sentences that you need an academic framework to understand very accessible to the general public and that's something I don't get to practice a lot in my current um, academic career but something that's very important to me so I really wanted something that had images something that could speak to anyone and just share her story because I could have equally taken the project in a different direction where I wrote very academic sounding essay about the life of Irina and how the intersecting worlds of Jewish feminist history come to life and sure, I do that a lot in my classes, but it wouldn't help bring her story sort of to the forefront in a way that I think needs to happen. So that's sort of why I chose the format that I did. You've woven together this narrative really, really beautifully, honestly, um, and it is accessible and your illustrations are wonderful. And I love the fact that you've included Yiddish in the titles at the top of the page. Curious. Um, what you hope your readers will take away from the story? And who do you think those readers are? Yeah, well, 
in putting the Yiddish titles at the top, I was very much inspired by the world of Irina Klepfish and sort of dancing between this bilingual state of Yiddish and English that Irina situates herself in. So within her poetry, as I said before, um, she sort of teaches her audience Yiddish as you go along. And so you're reading a poem and it has a Yiddish word and it's English translation. So you're learning a little bit as you go through Irina's poetry. And similarly in my zine, as you go along the way and you're reading the story, you learn a little bit of Yiddish along the way. And I know for me, languages is something that is scary. Um, it doesn't come very naturally to me. I'm very naturally a history person, very naturally a theater person, but languages is not something that I necessarily feel super that I can tackle heads on. And so I wanted Yiddish to feel less scary, like something that was not super scary. You don't have to go straight to fluent and that there's lots of steps along the way, even if it's just picking up a few words here and there. And over time, it builds and builds. So understanding that my audience probably wouldn't be people that were fluent in Yiddish and understanding that it could be people be people that are Yiddish curious, that are just excited to learn about the language, but also in a way that are words that aren't like Cavell and stuff like that, words that expand the vocabulary beyond sort of what we think of when we think of Yiddish and what those words can look like and how they can help bring a story to life. So when I think about what I want my audience to be for this zine, it's sort of people like me that felt like they have these different identities, Jewish, feminist, queer, but they feel like they're these distant things from one each other, from one another that can't intersect, but they all have a place within each other. And this interwoven story of Irina's life shows that there's a place um, to hold all these truths at once. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to give it away, but um, not like a spoiler alert, but I think it's so interesting that you found your way to telling her story because there's so many small stories wrapped up in it. And so interesting how the way that Yiddish went in and out of her life and the way she came to feminism and how that led to all of the ins and outs of um, her coming out and, and, and all of that. It's just, it's, it's really quite a compelling story. How did you work on telling the story? Did you work with her? Did you just do a lot of reading? Yeah. So I actually didn't come to be in touch with her till after the project ended. And I, she had found her way to getting a copy through um, a project I was doing and people had known about this little project and shared it with her. And I had a wonderful conversation with her, but how I came about with researching the project was really through oral history because um, as a aspiring historian, I really value the methodology of oral history um, and see that as a really ethical form of creating and forming stories. So I wanted the words within my zine to not come from me, but in a way to come from Irina. So thankfully, Irina has done three or four different oral histories. One beautiful one was done by the Wexler Oral History Project, of course. Um, and that beautiful oral history really informed my work, um, as well as the Viber Teich interview. Um, 
and a few others as well, as well as some written interviews. And of course, her work um, in various feminist publications, such as she has some beautiful essays and bridges. And so I really took her work as well as her books um, and I really took her words and valued her words. Of course, I read secondary sources and did some secondary source analysis as well. But in creating this zine, I really wanted it to be like I was speaking her story. So oral histories were really the methodology that I valued most. And again, as an aspiring historian, um, I really value oral history. I am working on the Kalot Hainu oral history project, which sort of is an oral history project that focuses on a congregation, a progressive Jewish congregation in Brooklyn. So that's sort of where my politics as a historian lie in really centering the stories of the individual. So that was how I came to sort of paint the picture of Irina. And how did you find out that the center's chief curator, David Mazower, was interested in including the zine? And what did you make of all of that? Yeah, well, it was so surreal to me. I mean, I'm an undergraduate and I try and be cool about these types of things, but it was honestly, it blew me away. It really felt so validating. Like my work meant something outside of a classroom setting because oftentimes we're pumping things out, but we're not seeing like how people are really interacting with what we create. And so it's, it was just so surreal and actually my professor Jay Saper um, gave David a copy of my zine and David wrote me an email saying that this had happened and it, it just blew me away that they were interested and wanted to compensate me for my zine that was so amazing and it really blew me away and I didn't have the chance to see it but a friend of mine who I was studying Yiddish with two summers ago at YIVO um, lives in the area and was at the book center and I hadn't mentioned it but she sent me a picture of my zine like a few weeks ago and was like oh my god like what I thought I was imagining things and she was so shocked and I was like wow like I really have to see it and with the tight schedule of a semester especially as I'm writing my thesis right now I didn't have the chance to go down to Massachusetts from Vermont to see it until um, as you mentioned this past weekend I was driving down for Thanksgiving and I was able to stop along the way. And I thought it was just so surreal to see something I had created in this beautifully curated exhibit. And David was so kind to give me and my friends a tour. And it also really resonated with me, the sort of theme of globalness within the exhibit, because I think um, it Irina's work really positions itself within this global theme that's at the exhibit right now because her work exists in this bilingual space. And as David shared, one of the themes of the exhibit is that in the modern Yiddish world, Yiddish is always operating in conversation with another language, whether it's Yiddish and English, English, Yiddish and Hebrew, there's always different um, languages and dialogue with one another. And I think Irina's work and my attempts to include both Yiddish and English in my zine sort of speak to that globalness that is a through line of the exhibit. And I just thought it was so beautifully curated and I had such a great time at the center. I have seen throughout my whole career, like 
images and pictures and um, different things from the book center, but it was really wonderful to see it in person, especially because as an oral historian, I really value the Wexler Oral History Project. And I use so many sources from the Yiddish Book Center's website. So to be able to go in person, let alone have my work displayed there, was an incredible experience. It's it's wonderful to have it. And I, you know, this new exhibition, which is our core exhibition, will be, it's more or less a permanent exhibition. It'll be here for a long time. And as you say, you know, the idea of Yiddish being in conversation with each other as thematically um, illustrated throughout, as well as the global reach of Yiddish. But one of the things I think that David has done in curating this exhibit, exhibition, um, is to include contemporary aspects of Yiddish culture. And I, again, you know, you wouldn't have thought that one of our, this big exhibition um, would include zines. Um, and I think it's really a, a really strong way of conveying this story. And I'd love to know your thoughts about how it does not only convey Irina's story, but illustrates Yiddish contemporary culture, how you and others are continuing to create and build new content from Yiddish. Yeah, I think it, in a way, it really counters the notion that Yiddish is something of the past, something to look nostalgically on. And in a way, it politicizes us to continue with the language and to continue seeing it as something of the future because there is a wave of young people connecting with the language, whether it's the politics that they insinuate with the language, whether it's a desire to resurrect something that their grandparents spoke that they lost touch with. I think there's so much value in young people studying Yiddish. And I think that David did a wonderful job of displaying how contemporary Yiddish is taking on many forms. And I think the inclusion of zines is just one example of that. And I know, for example, the inclusion of um, women's writers is another really great thing that has only happened in retrospect because a lot of women's writers were missing from the sort of Yiddish historical record for a long time. And so um, kind of second wave feminists and the aftermath of Irina and other women like her, looking back and translating the work of women's writers from Yiddish and bringing their stories to life as well. And I was so inspired to see their stories also presented in the exhibit. And while their work isn't contemporary. Um, it's sort of these contemporary women like Irina that are going back in the historical record and finding these women's stories. And so I thought that was also a beautiful way to interweave the ways that people today are using Yiddish. And Kristen, thank you for doing what you've done because I think you are, you know, the baton is passing to a yet another generation um, who is drawing from the roots of Yiddish and continuing what it's always done, which is to evolve and um, come out in new forms and and new ways of communicating and producing aspects of um, Yiddish culture in all forms. Um, and before I let you go really quickly, what are you working on now? Wow, thank you so much. I am currently working on my senior thesis, which is um, a history of bridges. Uh, and bridges existed from 1990 to 2011 and was a Jewish feminist journal 
that featured many translations from Yiddish um, and many work from women's writers in Yiddish, as well as the many other things it contained, including poetry and fiction pieces and pieces about um, working class Jewish women. And it was just this beautiful journal um, created largely by former managing editor, Claire Kinberg. And so I'm sort of creating a comprehensive history of the journal, a Jewish women's archive piece was written about it, but no larger history has been created about the topic. And I actually, Irina's work is featured in the journal and she was one of the former editors. So I'm not straying too far away from Irina's work as she is part of the project I'm working on now, but that will be complete in February. And I recently had the chance to go to St. Louis to Claire Kinberg's personal archives to explore the world of bridges. And I'm so excited to see where it takes me. More excited to see where it takes you as well. Um, and hopefully you'll share that with us um, as well. Um, Kristen, for those in our listening audience like you who visited the other day, um, you can see Kristen's work on view as part of the Yiddish Book Center's core exhibition, Yiddish, A Global Culture. The Center's Museum and Visitor Center is open Sundays through Fridays, 10 to 4 p.m. Do come by. It's part of the section devoted to press and politics, and it has a special drawer um, in the section. So again, thanks for your work. Thanks for visiting. And um, we look forward to seeing where else Yiddish leads you in the future. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.